Hey guys, welcome to Debrief. This is our after the episode episode with Packy McCormick. Actually, he's not on this episode, but that was our the episode we just had. We're debriefing on that. <laughs> David, when Packy uh, logged in, you were in the middle of telling me about a dream you had <laughs> about that this starting? podcast. <laughs> we're starting there. Uh-huh. And Packy yeah, was so- like, oh, what did I log into? What's going on here? <laughs> You had a yeah, dream so about I, us doing this podcast. How did it? How, yeah, I, I had a dream that we decided to just do this in person, and so we all flew out to like this <laughs> hotel room, and and it was uh, you, me, Packy, Packy's manager, uh, who didn't really play a role in the story, but we were all like gung ho. You, you've and never met Packy before, right? Never met Packy before. Well, okay. Also, never met you, Ryan. <laughs> so well, I that. mean, like, yeah, but like, you've never been on a podcast with him or seen him. Yeah, I actually did not know what he was, what he what he looked like. Can't really remember what he looked like in my dream either. But uh, like we, we were set up in the hotel room, uh, <laughs> getting the weird. microphones. There were cameras there. This was a high production, like podcast oh, yeah. thing that we were about to do. Like we were putting effort into this. We were really really stoked for this. And Packy, it kind of Packy was uh, playing the role of superstar who kind of doesn't give an give an f about anything uh and so <laughs> like rock star guess yeah rock star status like kind of it was a little bit of get into the greek kind of kind of vibes and so we were trying to get him like <laughs> seated to go to the pot to to do the podcast and like he was just distracted about everything he was like texting texting his lady friends he went off and <laughs> went off and brushed his teeth he was eating during the podcast by the way packy is not like that at all not like so that i don't at know all. Where it, was, he, it, it, it was something the, in your subconscious, subconscious was off but yeah like brian you were super frustrated and at some point we just gave up and we're like this guy's not doing anything we're, we're just gonna give up on this uh <laughs> completely unrelated to how the actual podcast went but yeah that, that was uh, the context going into this for because i woke up you, two hours before we, we did this do you usually uh dream dream about podcasts i usually don't do dream i usually do not dream dreaming is, a, well, is anomaly I mean, for me isn't you do isn't it the, the case that everyone dreams they just can't remember their dream is that the yes, thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That allegedly. You don't usually allegedly, remember. Yeah. yeah. Bank. This is now a dream expert podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about what we mm-hmm. talked about in that in that episode. So first of all, uh, we started with Ethereum versus Solana. What, what were your thoughts mm-hmm. on his thoughts on the differences between Ethereum and Solana? Yeah, I, they kind of echoed some of the similar sentiments that I'm seeing elsewhere. Recently did a layer zero with Hasib Qureshi, who uh, expressed extreme conviction that we're living in a multi-layer one world. And there's just like more and more people out there who just see the multi-layer one thesis and and believe in it. And so it's getting, uh, even though I'm, it's fun in my very strong convicted opinion, it's fundamentally unsustainable. It becomes more and more sustainable the more and more people believe in it. Uh, and so internal to crypto, external to crypto, people are kind of seeing the multi-layer one thesis play out. Uh, and so this is got the sticking power. Uh, and so I guess so be it. Yeah. So what I guess, what do you think about the, you know, the points articulated maybe on the on the value of the, the sole token? So mm-hmm. um, Packy identified two things. So it's like, I guess here, here's my take on it um, with the the multi layer one alternative layer one sort of landscape is i don't think i've ever believed that we wouldn't have a lot of different layer ones right Mm -hmm. what i have trouble believing is that we have a lot of high value uh layer ones in terms of market cap because Mm. i fundamentally don't understand how a layer one token is valued if you're not valuing it as number one a store right. of value of some kind, monetary premium, or number two, a capital asset of some kind, which ultimately gets its revenue from the value, the demand of its block space, 
right? It's got to be kind of one of those two things. Uh, and I'm having a hard time. I've just always had a really hard time seeing it outside of like Bitcoin and Ethereum because like, again, um, these these alternative layer ones don't have high block space sales. Uh, they're not producing a lot of, of revenue at this stage. So you're buying at these valuations that are fairly extreme. And as far as accruing like monetary premium, that's also a hard thing for me to see because um, I guess part of part of my thesis has always been you have to have a, a certain level of decentralization for people to actually want to store their money, at least in a long-term way, uh, their wealth inside of your asset. And I, I, I just don't see that um, accruing much value without... Mm -hmm. you know, with, with, without strong decentralization guarantees, which are like present in Bitcoin, present in Ethereum, and far less present in many of these other alternative layer ones. So that's been the sticking point uh, to me. And it's not about the existence of these things and even like the traction that they get, more about the the value of their underlying tokens. Mm -hmm. So that's why that the conversation with Paki, who had a chance to like, Hey, I'm just jumping, re-entering the space in 2021. I'm I'm trying to understand the the value of these things. You said the value of soul tokens came down to two things. Um, mm -hmm. One, MEV, mm -hmm. right? Which is like you you also find an MEV evaluation in in something like Ethereum. Um, but I don't know. I don't love MEV as as a valuation. And then this much more abstract concept, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The idea that the underlying token has to be worth more than all of the assets built on top of that underlying token, which that to me feels like a bit more of a truism, right? It's like, just because you want it to be the case doesn't mean it's like, it, it's like going to happen because you want it to be the case. Like, I don't see the cause and effect relationship there. Um, so what were your thoughts on that? The, the value of the soul token? Yeah, yeah, and this is a topic that we've we've talked about so many different times and with so many different guests in so many different capacities. And I, I think the the real difference between like where you and I align on in, in our thesis about this space versus what, in my opinion, other people are missing is that the fundamental thing that all blockchains need to produce is money, and that's what we that's what we asked about uh, in our um, alt layer one panel with uh, with Anatoly with Emin and with Doquan is like, is your asset money? And Anatoly was like, no, no, it's not money. It's just like the thing that supports the network. But it's just, it's such a, in my, my mind, a naive take because it's, it's the moneyness of your asset is also the sustainability of your blockchain. Uh, and like, I'll take the uh, cocky self-confidence approach here and just kind of say that like, if you, there are so many different aspects about what how a blockchain works. Like you got the consensus, you got the block sizes, you got the smart contracts, you got the DeFi, uh, you got you got the, the proof of stake versus proof of work. And like when you kind of understand everything, I think the pinnacle of the pyramid. After you understand all the foundations, is that the pinnacle is that everything ultimately relies on is your thing, is your asset money or not. And I I always kind of interpret everyone who's on their journey through crypto as somewhere along the journey of working their way up to the pyramid to understanding how everything collapses down on is your thing money or is it not uh and and i just kind of interpret people as at different varying paths of of that journey now there's a lot of like solana supporters there's a lot of avalanche supporters who uh will you know are are pro buying avax or pro buying soul and they're 
they explain the why to do that because like because Sol has low transaction fees and fast transaction times. And it, it's more of a thing of just like a, a statement that Solana is going to capture attention, not that it's necessarily going to capture monetary premium. Uh, and again, that's like, in my mind, a short term thesis that is incomplete as to a, what is a holistic understanding of this whole blockchain ecosystem. And that, that is where I think Bankless and you and I uh, really find friction with a lot of these alternative communities, because it, it seems that they haven't completed their journey up to the pinnacle point of what crypto is, which is is your thing money yeah there are some communities that do admit this like um uh, tezos arthur brightman from tezos yeah. i remember him saying yeah it's all like a, a a competition for for money and who can be the best money mm-hmm. and like i i understand that take if 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 you're going down that path and then you have to sort of value the asset uh you know based on those characteristics of of how good of a money it is it but when you say like you're not even in that game that's where i i don't really understand but right. I can't help but wonder, David, if like, uh, are we just missing something in this whole thesis here? Like, well, I think the thing that we're missing is that well, not necessarily missing because we talk about this too, and maybe this is uh, these beliefs are mutually incompatible. Incompatible. We talked about this with Kobe. Kobe had this fantastic article. Is that like if the crypto industry like runs on attention? And so if you want your thing to go up in value, you put attention on it. Uh, and these things are not in, in crypto. Things aren't valued on their fundamentals. They're valued on like really how much attention can they get? That's also a short term thing because attention is fleeting. How can attention be fundamentals? But when so much of the crypto industry is reliant on attention, like you can't really ignore it. And like Ethereum as a design philosophy, Ethereum is designed to be invisible. It's, a, it's designed to be in the background. It's, you're not supposed to pay attention to Ethereum. It's supposed to be in the ether, literally the ether. It's like the, the background system that just makes everything work. And so there's like a discrepancy there. But also you can't say that like this industry isn't designed on fundamentals. Like Bitcoin and Ethereum, in my mind, have the two best fundamentals in this space. And so it's one of those things where I think it's attention in the short term, but fundamentals in the long term. And both like Solana and Avalanche uh, and Terra are all very, very new. And so they're still kind of riding their attention wave and they haven't had to contend with their fundamentals yet. But are you saying that when they do have to contend with their fundamentals, that's when the reality is going to hit and they will depreciate relative to networks with like stronger fundamentals? We live in a post-truth world. And so like maybe you can keep <laughs> up the attention game for way longer than I think. Right, like maybe the attention is much more part of the fundamentals that I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, I just I can't I I still haven't been able to develop strong conviction on layer one assets outside of like mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Ethereum. Right, it's like right. Um, I don't even have at, these at these yes, valuations at these valuations. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, that's uh that's interesting. But the like the, I guess the value of Solana from Packy, like I don't think there was anything super new about how he's evaluating it uh in a fact, lot of like people kind of- value solon soul tokens by the utility and and uh possibilities of the solana blockchain but not about mm-hmm. the soul token fundamentals they're like solana good therefore soul good not understanding that there is a difference between those two things so you can have a good performing blockchain that and the reason why it is a good performing blockchain is because it's sapping energy out of the soul token. Those are those are two very very uh, mutually compatible realities. I, I do, and I, I I do agree with that. One of the articles we wrote very early on in Bankless in like 
2019 is like the statement of uh, the network is not the asset and the asset mm -hmm. is not the network, right? When mm -hmm. we say Bitcoin, it's named the same thing, but there's Bitcoin, the network, and then there's Bitcoin, mm -hmm. the asset. And those are two totally different things with actually a different set of fundamentals. In Ethereum, there's Ether, the asset, and Ethereum, the network, right? And just because the network is receiving more traction doesn't necessarily mean that accrues to the value of the asset. Like, um, anyway, it's a, a whole nother discussion. We don't have to camp the whole time on that. One of my favorite parts of uh, Packy's insights was actually this, uh, this Pareto Frontier uh, insight where um, I, I I do think that this is the value proposition for crypto, and like mm -hmm. honestly, an under a misunderstood reason why crypto is going to win. Crypto is going to win because it's more fun. Yeah, like that's yeah. why it's going to win. Like mm -hmm. it's way more fun than the alternative ways of making money or working or contributing to the economy of the internet. It's just more fun, and I do think that is like uh, an underrated property of why all of the talent and all of the value mm -hmm. and uh, so much energy, like free energy is like being sucked into the space just because it's totally. fun. Yeah. One of the one of the lines I, I always love to say is that one of crypto's most underappreciated exports is its culture. Our crypto, yes. like Twitter, Twitter crypto culture is a non, un, unlike any other culture in the world. And what that is a rearticulation of is uh, Packy's article, like the Pareto fun tier. Like we can make more money than you and we can have more fun doing it. And so we are exporting these and properties join us. to the world <laughs> and, and, join and join us. us. And it's just as gravity as a, it's a black hole because like, I, I'm sorry, we have two products, money and fun. Like, are you going to bet against that? Like, no, those are the, like, basically, can you have a fun time during your short, short time on this planet? Can you have a fun time experiencing it? And how sustainable can you have, how sustainably can you have that fun? And that sustainable economics is what drives crypto. And like Chris Dixon said, the internet is now weird again because of crypto. So like we, we've already won. We just need people to understand that. Like it's more fun here. We make more money than you. We have more fun than you. Like you're going to join for some reason, somehow, somewhere, some, some when. Yeah. There's more opportunities here. Like it's, it's kind of the invitation of like, you can too. Uh, mm -hmm. There's more opportunities mm -hmm. here and evaluating that lens of like, yeah, we do things for one of those two reasons. There's there's sort of a score of how fun it is and, you know, how 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 much money it makes us. It's kind of like there's a list of things you have to do and there's the list of things you want to do. And imagine if you could find the things mm -hmm. that, you know, maximize both, right? It's something that mm -hmm. you have to do and you also want to do. It's something that makes you money and it's also fun. And mm -hmm. uh, crypto can hit a sweet spot there. Um, and the, you know, I guess that's um, that's what its value proposition is to the entire world. It's just like providing more fun and more opportunity, money making opportunity, so that you can like migrate from the old world into this new world and just maximize potential mm -hmm. human utility across the entire spectrum. That's the idea of the the Pareto frontier, and I think it's mm -hmm. just a very useful model for thinking about the space. In the article slash talk that I gave at East Denver, it was titled Crypto's Here to Set You Free. One of the one of the big arguments uh, was that um, where Web 2 protocols extract from you, Web 3 protocols uh, are here to enable you. Uh, and so like these these governance structures, governance tokens like DAOs or Web 3 protocols, the values and or the, the value of what they produce is supposed to reflect the values of the humans that compose them. 
which is fundamentally different than Web 2 protocols, which are just here to extract your attention and turn that into advertising dollars. Uh, Web 3 protocols are here to enable you. And again, what do you want as a human when you wake up in the morning? You want to have fun. You need to make money in order to do that. But Web3 protocols are here to enable you in some way, some sort of governance structure, some like you know token emission, yield farming, just you give the protocol what it wants, but we also train our protocols to give us what we want. And so it's a mutual coming together, kind of in the same way that this is one of the examples I use in the article where um, humans domesticated plants and we gave plants what they wanted which is to proliferate and be as and have as many versions of itself planted all over the world as possible and then the plants gave what uh, us what we wanted which is food uh and so that's the same thing with web3 protocols is web3 protocols want to grow and they want to have a higher market cap and the way that they do that is that they put money in our pockets and they do it in the ways that are most fun and the web3 protocols that win the most are the ones that, that can put the most money in our pockets while also enabling us to have the most fun along the way and so like that's one of the one of the things that makes me super optimistic about the future is that like we are stepping into a mesh network of web3 protocols that are all competing to uh, make money have be the most fun. Yeah, it's a nice symbiosis, really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really uh, is. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, like I'll I'll do I'll do that all day. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to have like I I do think that algorithms at at some level are kind of the new orchestrators of human behavior. Mm-hmm. As weird as mm-hmm. that sounds, right? Mm-hmm. They are like almost the new gods, right? Like the Mm -hmm. Twitter algorithm and the, you know, the Facebook algorithm, all the algorithms that kind of control the information we digest and the people we interact with. Right. And so we have to be very careful in terms of which algorithms we, we adopt. We want to Mm -hmm. adopt algorithms that aren't like sucking out our endorphins Mm -hmm. and, um, have a parasitic relationship, like feeding us advertisement and sucking out our endorphins, making us more unhappy. Mm-hmm. We want to partner with the the happy algorithms and allow those to grow, mm-hmm. um, the less toxic algorithms. So hopefully, you know, crypto has some of those. Um, well, the, the other kind is of that in- the, the toxic algorithms push out their community and the happy algorithms suck in more communities. So happy al- algorithms are rewarded. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The, the other kind of concept that was cool is um, this whole idea of, of, of status, right? And we've talked about mm-hmm. this in many different ways. So like that's what NFTs are. But um, th- this line always gets me is like people are status-seeking monkeys. Right. That's kind of really what we are. And th- mm-hmm. this idea of social networks being sort of a, also a status game, I think, was impressed mm-hmm. upon me a bit more in the conversation with, with Packy. Uh, and what NFTs bring is the ability to like take some sort of social capital that you have and convert it to actual monetary capital mm-hmm. which is which is really interesting like so for example if someone famous he said barack obama right some somebody famous with a lot of social capital done a lot of good things for the world uh launches an nft project for instance they can then convert their community and they can convert their social capital into into actual capital both for themselves mm-hmm. and potentially for their community so it's this nice like bridge, I guess, between uh, monetary capital and social capital that, that crypto is creating. I, I don't think I've quite thought of social networks as, as uh, like status games and mm-hmm. as crypto being sort of a bridge to convert status into wealth and wealth into status, like be able to go back and forth. Right, but we also have to be careful where, like, you know, you Barack Obama issues an NFT project and then he makes a bunch of money, uh, and then he does it again. 
and then he does it again, and then it actually turns into an extractive relationship from his well, community but that, if, but, he, if he doesn't do it right. But that so, that kind of destroys his social capital, right? It's like right. kind it's of a, a ledger, it's a transformation right? Spending of capital. Yeah, so yeah. You, you, he's consuming his social capital to turn it into financial capital, and then out one day he might run out of social capital and only have financial capital left. And exactly. now he's like a super rich villain because he just yeah. extracted all this stuff from the community. So the real game We have a is, term for that. Hmm. It's like selling out, right? That's what we call it when yeah. somebody sells mm-hmm. out. That's what they're doing, right. basically. Totally. And so the, the goal of Web3 is how do we actually make regenerative capital how do we how does somebody create so have with social capital create financial capital in the way that you said it which is both for oneself and for their community and this is what kevin awaki is focused on with with the green pill podcast regenerative crypto economics how can we have positive feedback loops of capital how can social capital create financial capital more financial capital than what was consumed with social capital. And now that we have more financial capital than what was consumed, how can we uh, recycle that into even more social capital so that we can recycle that into more financial capital? And all of a sudden we live in a world of abundance rather than a world of scarcity. Now, I do think that Web3 gives us the option to do that because right now, basically, yeah. we are, yeah, the tooling, because right now, basically, we're converting a lot of our, our social capital and just like giving that for free to like, Facebook and Google mm-hmm. and like, you know, Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and, and like all, all of the rest. We don't even have the option to like convert it because we're working. Mm-hmm. Our social capital is being deployed and like we're working for uh, these sort of feudal lords who extract all of this from mm-hmm. from us. And so mm-hmm. uh, Web3 gives us the ability to like make that conversion for ourselves and mm-hmm. to make those choices as well, uh, which is yeah. pretty cool. So yeah, the web two uh, pro- protocols are turning our social capital into their financial capital on our behalf without recycling it in any way. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else stuck out at you? Anything else from that conversation? Just that he's a really cool guy. I want to get a beer with him. You know, <laughs> I could totally get a beer with Packy. Yeah. <laughs> not in a hotel really... room and not in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> where he's ignoring you he's probably a rock yeah. star in real life yeah <laughs> uh yeah it was good and he's a fantastic mm-hmm. writer guys so if you guys don't mm-hmm. uh subscribe to his um his his sub stack make sure you do by the end of this uh all right man well this has been a long week of podcasts dude how many did we record this week um i think seven bankless recorded seven podcasts this week oh, wow i'm tired it's friday as we're recording this so good job but I'm also tired. (laughs) Uh, Guys, thanks for hanging with us. This has been The Debrief. Mm -hmm. Cheers. See you later.